that we ended uh, with verse 6 of chapter 3 of the book of the Revelation. We finished the Lord's message to the church in Sardis. It's very strange for me to put my hand in my pocket and not, not have a wallet there. <laughs> and we begin in verse 7 with his message to the church in Philadelphia. Now this is not the Philadelphia that you and I know. This is not to a church in America. Uh, as far as, as, far as they, were, they may not have been aware that there was a whole continent that had been separated from Europe and Asia and Africa. They may not have been aware that North and South America existed. <clears throat> but Philadelphia was a town, in, was a city in what we would now call Turkey. It's where our Philadelphia comes from. And it does mean brotherly love. It is the city of brotherly love. This is where, uh, again, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania gets its name. To the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, These things saith he that is holy, he that is true, and he that hath the key of David, he that openeth and no man shutteth, and shutteth and no man openeth. So the message is given, written to those to. The, the faithful in Christ Jesus in Philadelphia, given to the messenger, the one who would take the message to them. These things saith he that is holy. The Lord is described as holy, and in fact it is the only attribute of the Lord that we have given multiple times in and in multiple places. Well, you come to the fourth chapter. The fourth chapter, and in verse 8, and the four beasts had each of them six wings about them, and they were full of eyes within, and they rest not day and night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. We well, come, to, come to Isaiah chapter 6, the temple vision. We'll see uh, maybe some parallels here. <clears throat> Isaiah 6 and verse 2. Above it, that is, that is the throne, above it stood the seraphims. Each one had six wings. With twain he covered his face, and with twain he covered his feet, that is, with two. With, with two he, he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he did fly. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, 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 as the Lord of hosts, the whole earth is full of his glory." And the, posts of, and the posts of the doors moved at the voice of him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. Those are the two passages where the Lord is described as holy, holy, holy. He is, he is never described as long-suffering, long-suffering, long-suffering. He is simply described as long-suffering. But it being described as, he being described as holy, holy, holy is, is important for us to note. Not only does it does it in, in three picture the triune Godhead? But also it pictures how holy he is. The, the root of the term holy is, is to cut, to separate. So when, think when, when you're preparing dinner, when you're slicing vegetables, and when you've cut the carrots, you separate them. You cut some more and you separate them. There, he is completely other. He is completely different than you and I. We are, we are not like him. We were created in his image. But that's just his image. We, were, we are not like unto him. We will be conformed to the Lord Jesus Christ. We will be glorified just like he is. We already, we already have been given his righteousness. But we will never be uh, 
we'll never be just exactly like he is. He's, he's omnipresent. He's omnibenevolent. He is, he is uh, um, omnipotent. He is described that way in the book of the Revelation. The Lord God omnipotent. He is all-powerful, all-good, all-present, everywhere present. He is all of those things. We will never be. We will never be infinite as he is infinite. He is completely different than we are. He that is holy. And he that is true. He that is true. He did say, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father but by me. He is, he is not only what he, he is not only the faithful and true witness. Everything he said was true. But he himself is truth. He is the root of all truth. Anything that is not built upon him is not true. As we see today, people are, what we would say, they're trying to live a lie. All kinds of, all kinds of lies and deception are being built up in our day as the truth. And you may have even heard the phrase, your truth. My truth. Truth doesn't... Uh, ben, ben Shapiro is not a, not, a, not a man that believes God, from, from what I understand. He's an Orthodox Jew, from what I understand. Um, he's not a... In that, in that sense, we'll, we'll get to it. He's not a true Jew. At least not yet. Maybe, maybe the Lord will be pleased to, to, to do that very thing. Because he'll save anybody, just as we were, uh, just, as we were just discussing. He, he, he saves... Anybody he's pleased to do so, when he's pleased to do so. They could be the most wretched person. Paul, Saul of Tarsus, oh, he, he was, like, like we were discussing, he was denied membership at the church in Jerusalem. No, 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 no. The Lord didn't save you. You're a wicked man. But old Barnabas came, came to them and said, yes, he has. Yes, the Lord has saved him. I watched him preach. I've listened to his words. The Lord saved him. And... and Yes, it is. Yes, it is. For, for Barnabas to step forward and put, it, put his name on the line, put his reputation on the line, uh, and say, I've, I've seen, I'm, I'm witness to this. I've seen the change in Paul and Saul of Tarsus. That, uh, the, but the Lord, everything he says is true because he is truth. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Come to Revelation chapter 6. <clears throat> And he, he has described that, that way again. Chapter 6 and verse, uh, that can't be right. I, oh, 6 and 10, not 20. And they cried with a loud voice, How long, O Lord, holy and true, dost thou not judge and avenge our blood on them that dwell on the earth? He is holy. He is the one described as holy and true. And he that hath the key of David... He that has the key of David. It is the Lord God, that ha- it is our Lord Christ that has the key of David. He's the one that carries the key, to, the keys to, to heaven. It, it wasn't Peter. Now, he did say, I'll give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. But he's talking to all of the disciples. All, all, all the disciples would have the keys to the kingdom of heaven in Matthew 16. I'll give to all of you. I'll give to thee the keys, the multiple, plural. But he that holds the singular key, he's the one that in charge is in charge of all of them, in charge of how they would even use their keys. The Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord, the key of David. Come to come to Isaiah, where where I believe that this is making a reference to Isaiah twenty two. 
and verse 22. And here, he's talking to, to my servant Eliakim, the son of Hilkiah, verse 20. And I will clothe him, the son, uh, I will call my servant Eliakim, the son of Hilkiah, and I will clothe him with thy robe and strengthen him with thy girdle. And I will commit thy government into his hand. Now this, this would have a near and a far fulfillment. The near fulfillment, my servant Eliakim, the son of Hilkiah. But the far fulfillment, the Lord Jesus Christ. We do read in Isaiah 9.6, or is it 9.7, the government shall rest upon his shoulders. The government shall rest upon his shoulders. I will commit thy government into his hand. And he shall be a father to the inhabitants of Jerusalem and to the house of Judah. And the key of the house of David will I lay upon his shoulder. That is, the, the ruler of the kingdom. Who's the ruler of the kingdom of God? Who's the king of kings and the Lord of lords? It is the Lord Jesus Christ. The key of the house of David. And who's the king of Israel? Well, David was. Maybe this servant Eliakim. Jesus Christ. Well, next, the, the next time I'm here on December 25th, We'll talk about that. Micah 5.2 specifically says, He that will come forth from Bethlehem shall be king of Israel. He is king of Israel. He has the key of the house of David will I lay upon his shoulders, so he shall open and none shall shut, and he shall shut and none shall open. And I will fasten him as a nail in a sure place, and he shall be a glorious throne to his father's house. And they shall hang upon him all the glory of his father's house, the offspring and the issue, all vessels of small quantity from the vessels of cups, even to all the vessels of, of flagons. This, again, near and far fulfillment. The Lord, the Lord can have multiple fulfillments in his, in his prophecies. Because not all of that could absolutely apply in its entirety to the son of Eliakim, uh, to, to his servant Eliakim, the son of Hilkiah. <clears throat> he wouldn't have the keys to the house of David forever. But the Lord Jesus Christ, he has the keys of David, the key of David forever. He is the one who is said here to have the king of David. He, and in Revelation, back in chapter 1, verse 18, he also says that he has a key to something. I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And have the keys of hell and death. He has the keys of hell and death. He has the key of David. He has the key of death and cursing. There's no grim reaper. It is the Lord Jesus Christ who kills and makes alive. He is the one who determines. He is the one who has all of our days written in his book. Not only does he have our names written in, in his Lamb's book of life from before the foundation of the world, but he also has a book of the living in which all of our days are numbered. All of our days have already been written down. He already knows how long we're going to live on this earth. So when the, when the scriptures speak of the wicked man's days being shortened, it appears to us that his days were shortened. But his days were already written down in the book of the living. The Lord already recorded, already predetermined how long that person would be upon the earth, just as he has done with all of us. And as always, if there's any comment, question, further discussion that you'd like to have, absolutely feel free to chime in uh, whenever you please. He, he has not only the key of death and cursing, but also the keys of salvation and blessing. 
He is the one who is the ruler in the kingdom of God. He is he that openeth and no man shutteth in any, in any regard, whether that be material blessing or material cursing, scriptural understanding. He is the one who opens and no man shuts. Even, well, okay, I'll take, I'll, as people have tried in the past, I'll take away your scriptures. I'll take, I'll take away the Bible. That way you can't ever have it. Do, question. Do Christians absolutely need the written word of God? We do. We do. But the Holy Spirit is the one who inspired it. The Holy Spirit can bring things to your mind that, that you may not have understood before. That's what, that's what I, I meant by my question. We're not absolutely reliant on the written word. Because the Holy Spirit is the one who, who grants the understanding. It isn't, it isn't based on my intellect to understand this word. Biblios is the books, the books. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. It's an acronym, acronym, yeah. Uh, each, each, each letter there, yes, yep. The basic instruction before leaving earth, I like that. That is, that's, that's what it is. It, it, it's, it's everything we need for life and godliness. A, we have everything, everything that we need. We don't, we don't need extra rules. We don't need, uh, uh, we don't need anything on top of this to be truly furnished unto all good works. This is all that we need. And the Holy Spirit, the one who inspired it, the one who had it written down, the one, the one who has preserved it for all these years, he is the one that even if these are taken away from us, he is the one that would still guide us and teach us. There are things that, that I did not understand. I can specifically remember putting, putting my son Thomas down. Now, now, there are times in which you'll be pondering the scriptures that, that the Lord, by his providence, will lead you to the answer. But I do not believe that this was the case, because I did not understand this verse at all until, until it popped into my head, and I don't think it was me. <clears throat> putting, putting my son Thomas down, just to give you an example. And yes, I understand that, that this, is, this is subjective. Well, that's just your opinion. Yes, it is my opinion. But it is the, I believe 100% that it was the Holy Spirit who dropped that verse into my head because I did not understand it before. I was wondering, pondering, how, how, did, how was Christ the Savior of those that died before his death? Well, he's the surety of a new covenant. He's the surety of a better testament, we're told in the book of Hebrews. I'd only read that verse one time and had not pondered it, studied it. And pondering that question, poof. That, that, that's, that verse popped into my head, and I was like, he's the, he was their surety. He was their guarantor. Their guarantor. He's the one that stood good for them from the foundation of the world, and all of a sudden it made sense. That wasn't me. That wasn't me. That was, that was the Holy Spirit of God. And yes, some men would say, oh, that makes you a mystic. Whatever it makes me, I just believe that the Holy Spirit can work sovereignly in his people. Whatever that makes me. Right, call it, call it what you want. I just believe that the Holy Spirit uh, absolutely works in his people. Just as the scripture says that he does. Amen. He's the one that reveals the word to us. And, and he does so when he is pleased. <clears throat> and he doesn't do it all at the same time either. And, and there's, another, there's another reason for that. 
I'll run down this rabbit hole and we'll come back to the text. I, I apologize. He does that so that we can learn unconditional love for one another. Because it's easy to love somebody that believes just like you do, that walks just like you do, that looks just like you do. But it is, it's something that requires work to love somebody that doesn't look just like you, walk just like you, believe just like you. Are we supposed to love one another as Christ loved us? Do we believe like Christ did? Do we walk like Christ did? Does he still love us? Yes, absolutely. We're supposed to love one another just like that. And, and that, that's a hard thing to do for us. That's not, a, that's not a natural, that's not something that we naturally tend to do. It's something that requires the Holy Spirit to work in us, that which is well-pleasing in his sight. The Lord Christ is the one that opens and no one shuts, and he shuts and no one opens. What he desires to accomplish, it is done. When he, when he commands, it is done. When he, uh, when uh, Psalm 33, when, when he commanded, it stood fast. I'm sorry, I'm not drawing that like, a, like I want it. When he spoke, it was done. When he commanded, it stood fast. Christ is the one through whom God created everything. You know that that, uh, that that passage is about Christ creating all things? He is the one who created, he is the one for whom all things were created and by whom all things were created. And without him was nothing made that was made. It was Christ that did all of those things. He is the one who accomplishes his will in the armies of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. And in verse 8, the one, who, the one who is described that way now gives his message to the church in, in Philadelphia. I know thy works. Behold, I have set before thee an open door, and no man can shut it. For thou hast a little strength, and hast kept my word, and hast not denied my name. He knows what, the, what those in the church in Philadelphia, uh, as, has mentioned, as has been mentioned before, a local visible group of baptized believers that have covenanted together to worship the living and true God through his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. That is what a, a church assembly is. That is uh, what, it would, what it would consist of. This isn't an invisible group of people in Philadelphia. This is a people that have gathered together. He knows their works. He knows what they, what they have done for him. He, he's, not, he's not talking about... Uh, um, their occupation, though he would know that too. But he's talking about his works that were done in his name. Behold, I have set before thee an open door, and no man can shut it. Just as, just as he said in the previous verse, I'm the one that opens and no man can shut. Whatever that door would consist of, it was going to continue. Whatever, whatever that door consisted of, whether, whether it be uh, evangelistic endeavors, uh, he was going to add to the church. He was going to um, uh, bless them for delivering the word to others. Whatever that door was, no one would be able to shut it. For thou hast a little strength, a little dunamis, a little ability. Dunamis is, uh, there's two, two, two words for power in the, in the New Testament. Dunamis, dynamic power. When, when it speaks of uh, the Holy Spirit coming in power, there was the power to do miracles. They already had the Holy Spirit. They were born again long, long before that. Christ even acknowledged it in Matthew chapter 13, for blessed are your ears, for they hear, blessed are your eyes, for they see. That was long before the Holy Spirit came in power. 
The Holy Spirit had already come to dwell in them. He came in power in Acts chapter 2. Power for them to do signs and wonders and, and miracles to confirm the word that they were stating, to confirm that they were speaking for God. The, uh, but here, they have little strength, little ability. There would, in, a small, in a small church, there wouldn't be much ability to do much. They don't have very many people. They, the, the ability to uh, heal on command and everything had already, been, had, ar- had already ceased. For Paul tells Timothy in 2 Timothy, take a little wine for your stomach, for your stomach ailments, for your, for your stomach issues. Well, if he could heal on command, why wouldn't he just, I heal thee in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. But because it had already ceased, that had, that had already ended. Here, they had, they had little ability, little, uh, a, small, a small number of people to accomplish what they desired to accomplish. So the Lord put before them an open door to accomplish what it was that they, that they had set out to do in the Lord's name. And had, they have a little strength, but... Notice they were faithful. Thou hast kept my word and hast not denied my name. Now, in America, today, well, that doesn't seem like that hard. I haven't denied the Lord Jesus Christ either. But we need to remember that back then it was a death sentence. Back then, to, to proclaim Christ was king was, one, a political statement against Caesar, that Caesar had a king that he answered to, and that, um, that you were denying either all of the gods that you believed in beforehand or, or saying that the Jews were wrong. If you were a Jew, you were saying the tradition of my fathers is incorrect. Jesus is king of kings and lord of lords, and I will worship God through him just as he said to. And if you were, if you were a Gentile, you were saying the pantheon, the Roman gods, all of those, that's wrong. There's only one God. And we worship him through the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and the Lord Jesus Christ is God. You were, you were prof- either, either way, either background you were coming from, it was a death sentence. Still to this day, it's a very common thing for Jews that, that are converted from the, tradi- from the traditions of their fathers. We could say converted or we could even say completed. Because Christ is the completion of, of true Judaism. He is, he is the one that the true Jews look to. And we'll, in, the, in the next verse, if we make it there, that's, we'll, we'll get to the true Jew. <clears throat> but uh, it was a, they, they, they still cut them off. We have nothing to do with you. Mus- Muslims do the same to, their, to those who say Islam is not the, isn't correct, Christianity is. They still cut them off have nothing to do with them, completely shun them. That was, uh, so, so they, and that's a yes, that, that, that's at the least, if not cutting off their head, as, as many of us have no doubt heard, heard of. So this, this is why it was such a big deal for them to have not denied his name, not denied that Jesus Christ is who he said he was, that he is uh, both Lord and Christ, that he is exactly who he said he was. Verse 9, Behold, I, ma- I will make them of the synagogue of Satan, which say they are Jews and are not, 
but do lie. Behold, I will make them to come and worship before thy feet, and to know that I have loved thee. So he says, I will make them of the synagogue of Satan. Synagogue really is just a gathering place. We typically call a synagogue a place of Jewish worship. But synagogue really just means gathering place. This building, in that sense, could be called a synagogue. The people are what make the church. We could, we could meet over there, and we'd still be a church. It's the, build, the, the building doesn't make a church. It's the people. The building is just a gathering place. So those that are of, are of but, but here, the gathering place of the Jews is what, is what he is, is actually, what he's technically referencing. The gathering place of the Jews, but are of, it's, it's of Satan, because they're deceived. You remember Paul, Paul describing, I can't remember where, where it is, but he talks about the, uh, um, the veil. The, uh, that must be 2 Corinthians 3. Um, the veil that's over their face in the reading of Moses every day. Uh, 2 Corinthians 3, yes. 2 Corinthians 3.14, But their minds were blinded. Well, we'll get verse 13. And not as Moses, which put a veil over his face, that the children of Israel could not steadfastly look to the end of that which was abolished, with that which is abolished. Do you, know, do you remember when Moses went into the mount and he came down and he was, he was shining with the Shekinah glory of God and they put a veil over his face? That wasn't so that the people wouldn't be blinded when they looked at him. It was so that they wouldn't see that glory fade. Because the glory of the covenant of which he was mediator, the glory fading was symbolic of his covenant has an end. His covenant isn't the final one. His covenant was pointing to a future one in many, in, in many different facets. <clears throat> but their minds were blinded. For until this day remaineth the same veil untaken away in the reading of the Old Testament, which veil is done away in Christ. In Christ is that veil taken away. In Christ do we get to see past what the Mosaic Covenant was talking about. He is the one that enlightens the mind, that gives the understanding of what it was pointing towards. But even unto this day, when Moses is read, the veil is upon their heart. Their, veil, the, their, their heart is, is covered. Their heart is hardened. They will not understand. They do not want to understand. When Christ said in John 5.40, I believe it was, you will not come to me. If you, you could render that, it's not, it's, it's not that they won't come to him. They will not to come to him. They do not have the desire to come to him. Now, that doesn't mean, oh, okay, we just got to give in there and give them reasons. We just got to give them, we got to persuade them. No, nothing's going to persuade them other than a new nature. The Lord God is the one who, who brings his people who brings his people to Christ. No man can come to me. No man has the ability. When you ask your, your teacher in grade school, can I go to the bathroom? Or, or can I go get a drink real quickly? And they say, I don't know, I'll time you. <laughs> can I go to the bathroom? I don't know, can you? May I go to the bathroom? Can implies ability. May is, is asking for permission. No man can come. No man has the ability to come. Christ, except the Father which hath sent him, draws him, brings him, 
draws him to, to, to Christ, brings him to Christ. It is, it is then that one will come. It is then that these Jews would, all, would, would understand and that veil would be lifted. Nevertheless, when it, shall turn, when, when it, when their heart, shall turn to the Lord, the veil shall be taken away. When does that happen? After the new birth. Now the Lord is that spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all, with open face, that is, we don't have a veil any longer, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the spirit of the Lord. It is the Holy Spirit that works in us those things, to, to change us from one glory to the other, to, from, from glory to glory. The old glory doesn't, there, there, there isn't any true glory in the old covenant or in, in, an old, in, in our old way of life. The true glory is found in Christ and it is the Holy Spirit that brings us to that point. Which say they are Jews and are not. They have the veil over their heart. So what is, what is, a, what is a true Jew if that's the case, what's a true Jew? Those, those that gather in the synagogues that say that they're Jews and are not. Come to the book of Romans. <clears throat> Romans chapter 2, verse 28. For he is not a Jew, which is one outwardly, neither is that circumcision which is outward in the flesh. But he is a Jew, which is one inwardly, and circumcision is that of the heart in the spirit and not in the letter whose praise is not of men but of God. A Jew is not one that just has the circumcision of the flesh, <clears throat> the circumcision made with hands. It would also include a true Jew is a one that has the circumcision of also the heart. For that's, that's the important aspect there. They can have the circumcision of the flesh all day, but that's not what, what makes... A, a Jew, a true Jew. Circumcision of the heart is what makes them a true Jew. Now, does that mean us Gentiles are Jews? No. No, we're, we're not of Jewish descent. So why, why would we in any way be Jews? Come to Philippians. And, and I know that that seems silly. But that, that is a common, uh, very common belief today. That Gentiles are Jews. We are not Jews in any form or facet. <laughs> Amen, brother. <clears throat> Philippians chapter 3. Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you, to me indeed is not grievous, but for you it is safe. Beware of dogs. Beware of evil workers. Beware of the concision or the mutilation of the flesh. He's talking about the Judaizers. Remember the Judaizers? They, they wanted to mix circumcision. You have to be circumcised. You have to follow the law of Moses to be saved by Jesus Christ. They were trying to mix things. If, if you try and be justified by the law, grace, Christ, has no more meaning to you. Moses, all he did was point to Christ. It has nothing, completely separate covenants, completely separate promises, completely separate everything. Everything pointed to Christ, the Abrahamic covenant, the Noahic covenant, the, Christ, the covenant that God made with Noah, the, the, the conditional covenant that God made with Adam in the garden, the Edenic covenant. If you, you can eat of everything in the garden, you can eat of every tree except for that one tree. That, that pointed to Christ. We couldn't even do that one thing 
One thing. And we, he, had been, he, had, he had blessed our first parents with everything else in the world. Everything else ex- that existed except for that one tree. And that's the one that they went for. <clears throat> being deceived being deceived by the devil. That's the one that they went for. The, the concision. Uh, what, I'm, what I'm getting at there is all the covenants made in the Old Testament point to the Lord Jesus Christ. Point to him in one way, shape, or form, maybe multiple. The Mosaic Covenant, uh, I, I can't count how many ways that that covenant pointed to the Lord Jesus Christ. All the sacrifices, the, the high priest, the, the, the garments that he wore, all, oh, time and time and time and time again. Even Moses said, there will come a day when the Lord will raise up out of you one like me that is a covenant mediator. Christ is that covenant mediator that Moses was talking about there in Deuteronomy. For we, verse 4, beware of the Judaizers. For we are the circumcision which worship God in the spirit and rejoice in, Jesus, in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. Who's the we? Is Paul talking about the recipients of this epistle and himself? Or is he talking about him and Timothy? Come back, come back to chapter 1. We'll see who, who's the, who's, who are the human authors. Verse 1, Paul and Timotheus, the servants of Jesus Christ, to the, sa- to the saints in Christ Jesus, which are at Philippi with the bishops and deacons. <clears throat> Don't follow them. Follow us. If you're going to follow a Jew, don't follow them. Don't follow the concision. Follow us. Me and Timothy. Timothy wasn't a Jew. You go read Acts chapter 16. Paul had him circumcised. His mother was a Jewess. Timothy's a Jew. So that's the reason Paul, Paul didn't have Titus circumcised. Paul didn't have any of the other Gentiles that were with him circumcised. But he had Timothy circumcised because Timothy was of Jewish, Jewish descent. <clears throat> and Timothy was a, was a man by that point. I don't know exactly how old, but he wasn't, he didn't, he wasn't circumcised the eighth day. He was circumcised much later. Uh, maybe, a, maybe a late teenager, early 20s. I don't, know, I don't know how old Timothy was when Paul met him. But he was, he was circumcised later because he was Jewish. So, don't follow those Jews. Follow me and Timothy, the true Jews. And, and you, you continue on. Paul talks about his Jewish heritage. Uh, we, we won't read it, but that's where Paul starts comparing his pedigree to the Judaizers' pedigree. My pedigree is, is if we're going to boast in the flesh, which is what the Judaizers wanted to do, if we're going to boast in the flesh, I've got a better pedigree than them. <clears throat> because he was comparing Jewish descent with Jewish descent. So, the true Jews, those in Philadelphia were not. They were, they were deceived. They were following, they were of the, the gathering place of Satan. They were worshiping demons. They were following after the traditions of their fathers, which is not after the scriptures. They made, they made the word of God void uh, by their tradition, as, as the Lord Christ uh, condemned them for. So he, he will make them, which say they are Jews and are not. They're not, they are not true Jews, but do lie. Behold, I will make them to come and worship before thy feet and to know that I have loved thee. Can you imagine what that would have been like? That he would have, that he would have made these people 
know that it was the Christians that were his people and not, and not the Jews? Because that would have been their, their most horrific, that would have been most horrific in their mind. Because to them, we, Christians were the apostates. To them, Christians were the ones that had gone out of the way. Even though they called Christians the follower of the way. Because there is one way, the way, the Lord Christ. But they, they, it would have been a horrific idea for them to come bow before Christians. For them to come and acknowledge that they, that they were God's true people. That while, while the Jews have specific promises... While the Jews do, still to this day, God has made promises to them that he hasn't yet fulfilled. And we look, we look forward to God fulfilling, to God fulfilling his word. I'm thankful any time he fulfills his word. <clears throat> whether, whether it's a promise to me or a promise to others. It shows me that he is faithful. That he keeps his word. But the Jews coming in and acknowledging to the Christians that they were God's, that they were God's true people. Proverbs 10.24 says that the fear of the wicked shall come upon him, but the desire of the righteous shall be granted. I can't, I, I can't help but think that, this would have, that, that, they, that the Christians there desired that the Jews know that, that Christians were God's... Uh, Israel as a natural nation, God chose them. God elected them as a nation. But as far as salvation is concerned, the Christians are the ones that are, that are God's truly saved and chosen people in that regard. Israel being another type and picture that God chooses who he saves, salvific, who he, who he saves sovereignly. He would, he would make them come and, and worship before thy feet and to know that I have loved thee. But they aren't hated by God, but they are loved by God. We're, we're a couple minutes past time, so we'll pick up, we'll pick up the reading at, at verse 10 uh, here in a couple of weeks. Thank you for your time and attention this morning.